day. I mean, I, I'm thankful, uh, uh, Pastor Brent. I think I think it was Thomas Swope somehow tricked Pastor Brent into asking me to do a, a session. Uh, the session they wanted me to do was on how to use uh, Greek. So since I didn't think my students would come, so I was like, <laughs> I don't know if anyone's going to come to that. Uh, so I, uh, I came back with a different one, and uh, the topic that I, I, I chose was uh, the, the text and application. Uh, they gave me that title. And application is, a, is the thing we're shooting at. Uh, we want to apply the text, and so uh, that's what I'm gearing this for. Um, you know, sometimes we, we hear the sermons, and, and it's easily uh, broken up in our minds. Uh, we listen to the what but we're, we're waiting for the so what. And, and the so what is that application. What do I do? Thank you for the information. What do I do with that? And uh, then you have this conference is devoted to, to the text. Uh, but you'll see, I think application is something that needs to accompany that. And that's what was motivating me to uh, address this topic. Uh, we need to. I mean, we want to hear... Um, we want to hear speakers uh, bring application. But there's a very real sense, I hope to make it clear to you today, that I can't touch all of you with application because you're all not in the same spot. That is to say, as many people that are in here are how many applications a given text is going to have. You're not all in the same place. You're not all thinking about the same thing. Can you imagine? You're thinking about something. You're going through, let's just say, uh, you're, you're just having a rough time at work. You come to church, you hear the sermon, but you didn't hear the sermon at all. All you saw was your boss, your co-worker, the situation at work. That's all you're thinking. Or perhaps you spiritually, you're, you're at a place where you're growing, you're, you love being in the Word, but you have a family member that's walking away from the Lord, so that's what's on your mind. So you want to be encouraged by the text, but you're also going, yeah, but how does this work for this person I'm thinking about? So it just starts, I don't know of anyone who can give you all the applications that are potential, and that's what becomes a real problem, a real problem for us. So... With that, it gives you a mindset of what I'm shooting at, and I hope to do that uh, for us. Let's start with a word of prayer, and then we'll open up with a couple of passages of Scripture that will help make, uh, make this point more vivid. Father, we thank you for an opportunity uh, to open up the Word of God, and we're challenged by it. Um, you, you have used it uh, to bring about new life. Where we were darkness, you made us light. Uh, where we were blinded to truth, where we didn't want the truth, where we suppressed the truth in our hearts, rejecting the things that you were telling us, uh, there was a day when you opened our eyes that we could see these things are wonderful things, and they belong to us. They belong to our children. Lord, we pray that the Word of God would take root in our hearts and in our minds. And we pray that this session be a helpful tool uh, for these, these folks to understand how the Word of God works in application. We ask for your help today in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So my plan for today is really easy. Um, I've got three steps, and every, every lesson has three steps. I want to talk about the philosophical, theoretical, you remember, uh, scholars take what we do naturally and then explain them with very large words. So that's the plan, my first step, uh, uh, to do that. But I, I just want you to think, I want to give a model that uh, I, I'm not sure you're familiar with, but you live it, you do it. I just want you to see what we call that and how it operates. Then I want to look at a couple of things that are just problematic when we come to application. Uh, there are some problems for different reasons that arise. We want to address those so help us to navigate and, and avoid certain dangers. And then I want to end with some application or how you, how all of us, what, what kind of things we need to do to draw application. Now, again, if I can get you to that place, then when you hear a text, when you read a text, you don't have to wait for the authorized applicator to come and tell you what it means to you. You get to do that yourself. So this is hopefully going to be a, a, a helpful, liberating exercise for you to just kind of mark those things that are happening. So these are my three steps for us. And uh, to get things going, I want you to turn to Matthew and chapter 7. I've got four very familiar passages, and they're going to illustrate my, my first point. Matthew chapter 7, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has been teaching. He's finishing his teaching, and he, he uses this very um, uh, this metaphor to help us picture what it is that's been happening here in these three chapters. Uh, I, I start at Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So you heard the word and you put it into practice. You're like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose up, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. There it is. Hears these words and do and does them versus the guy who hears these words. You know, that was kind of interesting. Okay? We're building a house. Okay? Turn to the next one. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Again, very popular verses. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
I need my mind to be transformed for me to know what pleases God. Now, again, I don't want to just know, oh, yeah, God would be pleased if I spoke the truth. I'm not going to do it, but I, now I know what he wants. No, we want to be the wise man. God wants me to speak the truth. I want to follow and put that. Now I can do what is pleasing to the Lord. The third passage. The third passage was the one we hit last night, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. <clears throat> Here we find out in verse 16, all Scripture is God-breathed. It's, it's given to us by inspiration. It's profitable. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. And verse 17 is where I want to hit so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want to be equipped for every good work. How do I get equipped for the things I want to do, what I want to perform? All Scripture is given for that. Okay. Now, here's where I'm going. Uh, last week as well, uh, the fourth verse is James 1, 23 through 25. Uh, Pastor Brent spoke on James 1. Don't be a hearer only. Okay? We need to hear and we need to do. Okay? So here is my first huge point. Are you ready? That is this. We have a conference about the text, and the focus is on the text, but you need to remember that the text is a means to an end. Okay? Is everyone okay if I talk about such things? The text is not the end. The text is the end only if you're going to appear on Jeopardy. Well, how many, how many Israelites were there in Gideon's fight? How, I mean, the text is that. The text, the text, the text, yes, but we need to remember the text is a means, not an end. Okay, does everyone, everyone understand what I mean by that? Anyone question? It's, a, again, we, we, we can use bigger words. It's the proximate goal, not the ultimate goal. I want to renew my mind so that I may prove what God finds acceptable. I want to hear all Scripture is profitable, but it's not profitable for itself. It's profitable so that I can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's what I want to hear, but I also want to build on that and do. When I, when I void it, then I actually void what the process the Bible is trying to bring me to. I need to get to the end, okay? Means and ends. Um, uh, just so you guys know, I've, I've got some children, and one of my children loves to ask me why. I don't know if you've had this blessing, but this game doesn't end. Yeah, but why do we need to wash our hands? Because we're about to eat dinner. Well, why do we need to eat dinner? We just, it just keeps going. Uh, well, there's one particular, you know, my daughters are now messing with me. I teach theology. And in theology, we learn this. The end is to glorify God. So when I see this game starting, I go to the end so that we can glorify God, checkmate. 
They say, why? And, and I just want you to know, if you put an answer to the why, you've, done, you've said there's something else. There's, something, there's nothing else. That, that's actually the end to all the why questions, that God will be glorified. That's why. Well, why does it, that's the end. It's not, there's no longer a means. It's an end. Uh, Pastor Keith, all the time, he always talk, he's talking to people. You know, where do you work? Well, why do you work there? Make money. Why do you make money? Because I want to have a good life. Why do you want to have a good life? And it just, until you get to the one end that is the true end, there's never an end. Everything is a means to an end. We want to get to the end is. And in this particular case, the text serves a purpose. So we want to pursue the text. We want to know the text, but the text is a means to an end. All right, any questions right here? Okay, now the next step that I want to do in this uh, theoretical exercise is I want to talk to you about the Word of God. And uh, let me do it this way. Um, you think of a synonym. What is the Word of God? What is the Word of God? Think of how you would answer that. Tell me what you think. When, if I were to ask you, what is the Word of God? What is the Bible? What are the Scriptures? What are they? What would, how would you answer that? It's truth. Your word is truth. Excellent. Someone else. It's like a hammer, and it, it, it breaks us. It breaks. Yes. Crushes. It's a sword, like in, in, in Ephesians. Uh, even in, we had uh, two weeks ago, in Hebrews 4, it pierces makes distinctions, shows us that God can, is, everything is laid bare before God's eyes. Anyone else? It's a mirror in James 1. We look into this perfect, you know, you, here's the mirror. I see a little something here. I can walk away from the mirror. But everyone that sees me is going to, you know, you got a little something there. No, we look into the perfect law of liberty with the intent to change, to do something. I don't want the information. Yeah, yeah, that does look pretty hideous on my face. I'll leave it. So the word of God reveals these things. I want to give today, I want to give you a different model. It's another model, and it's something that, again, it, um, the, tech, the technical guys talk about this. But I just want to bring it to you. You already know it. So I'm making this more complicated. I know I'm doing that. I'm making it more complicated than you already know it to be. And that is, I want you to know that the Bible, the Word of God, the text is actually a communicative act. Now, this is another lens for which to view the Scripture. Someone is trying to tell us something. And as a communicative act, I learned that this is a, a personal communication, okay? People talk to people. The computer talks to me, but remember, these people try to get the computer to act like a real person. Computer's not talking. People talk to people. Communication is a personal encounter. A person talks with another person. That's what's happening when we read the scriptures. More than an impersonal code, more than just a book I need to decipher, more than a treasure map, I'm just trying to find out where the treasure is, I'm actually listening to someone speak to me. Anyone want to guess who the speaker is? 
it'll be God. God is speaking to me. And so I'm in dialogue with God. This is a partnership kind of thing, a personal communication. Sometimes we study the scripture like it's an impersonal object. We bring in our lens, our magnifying glass, and we're, we're just scrutinizing over it. And we forget the thing we're studying is the means by which God communicates to us. It's a personal thing. Okay? Again, let me give you an illustration. I, uh, I get a text from my wife. And uh, it might say, pick up something on the way home. I get a text. But it's from my wife. It, there's really more to this than just pick up. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Brenda was at an event, and uh, I don't know what happened. I just was freezing, shivering. I had the two young ones at home, and, and uh, Brenda was gone. And I don't, again, I don't know what happened, but I was so cold. Uh, I had my sweats on. I was covered, my blankets. And I just remember, sorry, Brenda. Uh, I just remember going, I need Brenda. I need Brenda. Lord, bring me Brenda. I, okay, so, uh, but Brenda's an hour away, and she begins her, her trek back. And so somehow the communication got to her. So she's coming, and she's getting close to getting off the freeway to come to home. <laughs> and she gets a, a message. One of the other ladies that was at this event, their van broke down. So she needed to go rescue them. You know, I'm like, Lord, I need Brenda, I need Brenda. <laughs> I get a text that says, I got to go help, help someone. Like, okay, well, then I just thought, like, Paul, I just better glory in my infirmities. <laughs> uh, but I had these the two babies were there. But th there's something personal about this communication. She is torn that she has to tell me, uh, I can't come right now. I have to, I'm torn because... <laughs> I don't know what my little babies are doing out there, uh, which was its own surprise event. <clears throat> they, brought, they brought the little space, it's not little, little space heater down the stairs. And, and my wife, when she found out, she said, how did you carry this down the stairs? And uh, Elizabeth says, well, the baby, so Linda, she carried the cord. So now I'm like, tumble, tumble, whoa. Okay. But, I, but I, 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 I look at my email, when I look at my text, all of my texts from my wife, there's more than the information in the text at play here. Okay? I know there's nothing my wife texts me that comes out of malice. She loves me. I love her. That, that's part of our communication. Now, she doesn't have to say, you know, hey, I can't help you. Give me the emoji with the kisses on it or something. I know already because I already have a personal relationship with her. You just think about the communications you have. They're personal. You know. You know when your children are saying something. Like, are you asking me this? Yeah, that's what I'm asking. Okay, well, your words weren't even close. But I know you, and I know that's how you think. So, because I know those things, because they are personal, okay, 
I also know when my daughter goes to this teacher at school, they don't, get, they don't know that that's how she thinks or that's how she operates. So they're missing part of the communication. The Word of God is a personal, communicative act. God is trying to tell us something, try to bring us something. Now, why do I say that? Because it's helpful to remember that God is the one who speaks in the Bible. So that when He informs us, we actually have no other recourse than to believe it. Like His telling us something is the case is also obligating us to believe it. When He instructs us, He says, this is what you do. You're like, well, I've got a lot of options here. No, you don't actually have any option. He wants you to obey. When He shows us His own character, we come face to face with His holiness. Do you know what you do? You close your mouth. That's what you do. Job, Job, God, you are too wonderful for me. When he shows us a little bit about his own glory, it calls us to praise. It calls us to worship. When he reveals a, a character in the Bible who is fighting for him, he's like, I want you to follow that guy. All of these things come. I don't just read the scripture. You, now again, Think of application. I'm learning from God. He instructs me. All of a sudden, I'm under obligation. This isn't just healthy advice. God wants me to do something with these words. Just like when my wife speaks to me, things need to happen. Things need to happen. Okay? My favorite example is, um, okay, my wife doesn't say this one to me. I try to pick up my socks. But my favorite example is, um, are those your socks on the floor? Now, I don't think my wife would be looking for information. Yes, I believe they are. In fact, uh, <laughs> they're dirty. Um, they kind of smell. Something should happen about that. I don't think that that's what she's intending. She's intending something else with those. And that's how our communication works with one another. We sometimes are, are filling out details, but sometimes I want you to do, I want you to move. I want you today, I don't know if you guys are getting this any clearer, I want you to learn how to apply the scriptures. That's a task that I think we all need to be engaged in. That's where I'm going at. I'm going to say a lot of stuff today, but let me start with this one. And that is this. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, it's not easy. It's application is just not easy. If we can remember that the scriptures are God's speech, God's communication, and since he's God, let's, let's use some synonyms here. Since he's the Lord, since he's the sovereign, since he is the one who created all things, when he speaks, it comes with a different kind of obligation. Okay, a guy named Bob tells me something, you know. The police officer tells me something. The governor tells me something. The president tells me something. Okay, we, all of a sudden, I listen more and more as these levels of authority get going. The God of the universe says something. Okay, so with that comes 
with that, just the knowledge of it comes something that's very sweet, very special, but I need to remember that. So I look at my scriptures and I just, God, just tell me what you want. I just, I just want to apply this text. So let me tell you, there's one of the reasons why application is not easy is um, we need to um, get rid of certain models of application. And so that's what I want to do. These are some of the problems. So here's, here are two instances I give you. I'll, I'll give you a third one in just a second. Here's a man who's, who, who came to the scriptures. He didn't quite know whether he should join the Navy or go to college. Now, that's the odd one, but there's personal testimony here. This is not about my father-in-law, but this is a decision that comes upon a lot of people. There's another, another uh, illustration. I, I'll give you a verse in just a second. There's another one um, that I was reading, a book from a man that I, that I like. Uh, his dad was a pastor, uh, a, pa a successful pastor in Alabama, had been a pastor for 12 years. He's growing up in, his, in this situation, and there's a church in California, Palm Springs, California, that wants him to come and be their pastor. So should he pastor in Alabama, or should he pastor in California? And God's will is, well... What happens sometimes is we have a little bit of a superstitious or, I don't know if you guys, I know you're not supposed to use this stuff, the magic eight ball, do you guys remember this thing? Uh, back in the 70s, uh, 80s, uh, you shook it and, and it, it was this thing that, uh, things are unclear right now. Uh, I don't remember all the, all the little options, but this is how people were supposed to make decisions. Um, but we believe that, I mean, can God do that? Yeah, he can. But I wonder if it's banked more in our superstitious, well, you know, God's ways are mysterious. Why can't he use an eight ball? Well, I mean, he can use a dartboard if you want. He can use whatever you want. But I don't know if you should use the scripture that way. So these two men, the first man, he just happened, he just happened upon Ezekiel 27, 25. Should I go to college or should I go to the Navy? Well, the ships of Tarshish serve as carriers for your wares. You are filled with heavy cargo in the heart of the sea. Yeah, but what do you want me to do, God? Well, if God gives you that, that verse, I promise you, you'll probably pick go to the Navy, then go to college. Yeah, but couldn't God? Yeah, he could, but I wonder if he should. Should I go and pastor in California, or should I stay here in Alabama? Uh, the guy that writes this book, I mean, this is, this is the verse that convinced him to go to California. Um, was it a good thing? It, it ended up being a good thing, but it just was very funny. Notice the verse. Forget the former thing. Do not dwell on the past. Yeah, I know you've been serving me in Alabama, but see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. He's <laughs> just like, you read that verse. You know where you're going. You know what the application is. But I wonder if that was a right understanding of what's happening. 
But how providential that God brought him to that verse and he did it. I think God could have done it a different way. But it's very interesting. Notice why this one rings a little bit more. This one rings because it, ha it seems like the Word of God has more than one contact to the question. Yeah, you've been serving there, but forget the past. I'm doing something new. Well, I want to be part of the new. It's in the desert. This church is in the desert. And all of a sudden, that's how we work. The more the points of correspondence, the clearer God's will is in application. Does that make sense? Okay. I don't know if that, all right, I'm telling you, that is not the way to do it. It's just not the way to do it. Okay. It carries something. Uh, if that's the way you do it, then you already, I, I know you've heard the illustration of the man who was looking for what God wanted, took his Bible, opened it up, and he found, are you ready? Judas hanged himself. Ah, that can't be what God wants, so he, he, he went to another passage, and, and in the passage, go and do likewise. <laughs> no, that, that can't be. So he went to Jesus' words on the last night, what you do, do quickly. Again, see, you're going to get into problems if we treat, if we treat or approach it, and that's what makes it a little bit difficult. Now, let me just say, literalism, literalism is a good word, and I don't want you to not think of this word, but literalism might get us into trouble. Being, like taking what the text says and just doing it literally can sometimes, so we need to think through. Literalism can be a particular problem. Now, here is a book. Um, it's a funny book. It's like humorous. Um, it's called The Year of Living Biblically, One Man's Humble Quest to Follow the Bible as Literally as Possible. It's just humorous. I found it in the library. Uh, a book referred to us. I said, I got to read what this guy is doing. So here's a man. He, he's a nominal Jew background. His, they didn't go to the synagogue. He just, that's his heritage, his family. None of that. Not a religious guy. But he was listening to people say, I obey the Bible. I obey the Bible. But he found, and he would find it even among us, that we don't all do everything God says to be done. And so everyone has a degree of picking and choosing or transformation of what you do. And so he said, I got to figure this out. Why do religious people do this? I am going to spend this year, and so this is basically a diary, August 24th. Here's the verse. I was trying to live this verse in as literal way as possible. Okay? So, again, it's a humorous read. Uh, let me just tell you, it gets humorous because he comes on. I, got, I just got two examples for you here. Um, what are you going to do when you should stone Sabbath breakers? People who break the Sabbath, Sabbath need to be stoned. How do you approach this? I mean, in a literal way. You see the problem? Uh, now, most of the book, is he hangs out in the Old Testament. Uh, he only gives a little bit of New Testament stuff, which I think is a significant problem in the book, but we'll get to that later. How are you going to stone people? So this is, what, this is what he came up with. 
Although God commanded that we stone people, he doesn't command what size the stones have to be. <laughs> so he wanted to literally obey. He, he got pebbles. And he's in Central Park. He's waiting to see these people. But even if it's a pebble, you just can't throw pebbles at somebody. So he came up. You know what? I, what I'll do is I'll get close and I'll drop the pebble on this guy's foot. Okay, I'm just telling you, I applaud, I applaud the attempt to obey, but um, whatever size the stones are, I do believe the people have to end up dead. So how you get there with little stones is, I think, more complicated than um, et cetera. Or this particular one where he read, when you harvest, you're supposed to leave the corners of your field. Don't, don't take everything that's yours. Leave some for the poor so that they can glean. Well, he's in New York City, so how does he, how does he obey that? So he came up with, again, trying to apply it. He came up with, you know what, I think sometimes um, accidents with money happen, and I'm just going to let it be. I'm just going to let it be. So if I, if I, this is the example he had. He was at a store, he pulled out some money, and money fell on the, like a $5 bill fell on the ground. So for him, he said, I'm going to apply this text. Whenever that happens, I'm just going to let it be so a poor person, someone who needs the money, can just take it. So that's what happened. He was shopping. Money fell out of his pocket. The problem came, <laughs> again, someone saw the money fall out of his pocket. What do you do when you see money fall out? You, excuse me, is this your $5? So he said, he says, no, it's not. Then he, I really have a problem with the lying thing. <laughs> there are too many of these episodes where he had to lie to successfully obey God. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I just say the book reads, is very humorous in this respect, but trying to just do what the Bible says is not as easy a process as you would imagine it would be. It, and in fact, I think sometimes it's easier, it's easier for us to hear someone and, and, and say evaluatively, that's wrong. That is a bad application. Like, it's easier to, to sniff out bad application than it is for you to think of how do you make good application. Okay. Uh, I, 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 the principles are, that is just does not. That just doesn't, that doesn't sound right. It doesn't seem like it's going in the right direction. So I, I brought you a couple. Uh, this one I use, I use in every class because it just was funny. I happened to be in Detroit listening to a man on the radio. He received a Christmas card. He received a Christmas card. Do you remember my Christmas card? Okay, great. Uh, so here was the verse in the Christmas card he received. Go and make careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Now, on one level, I actually think that is one of the sharpest Christmas verses you could have. Go find the child. I can worship him. 
except something smells fishy here. And there's a part where you ought to be offended if this is the verse inside your Christmas card. But why are you offended by this? Anybody? Because Herod. Herod is saying something here. And worship doesn't mean worship. In context, let's see, what did Herod do after this event? He yeah, worship means kill, in effect. Go and find him so I can kill him, worship. See, you need to know, you need to know. But you guys, you know enough of the Bible, almost like uh, Dr. Nicelli was saying, you guys know so much about God and his character that, that these things, that doesn't fly. In this particular one, what ruins it for you? Uh, I just happen to know what the Bible says. This is a bad man, and he is not saying what it appears his words indicate. This is a bad application. Here's another one. You guys know this one. Right? Isn't this your, isn't this your favorite verse? I mean, I don't know what your morning commute looks like, <laughs> but you know you can get it done if you do it through Christ. Whoa! Okay, so that's what I mean. You, you, it's easy sometimes, but, but think, what's in our context in Philippians? What's in our context? Paul knows how to have nothing, and he knows how to have everything. Indeed, in everything, God is able to see Paul through, and Paul can do these things. But knowing that in context helps us. I don't think this means I can spin 47 plates at the same time. Well, yeah, but that's all things. So context helps us, and that's, that's where I want to go. All right, do these illustrations make sense? Yeah. So you know these things. We can't just apply the Word of God to anything haphazardly. So let me say it this way. I'll go back to my last one. Application really follows on exegesis. Okay, you remember the five categories? Here's your pop quiz. Said to give you a pop quiz. Pop quiz. Are you ready? What were those five categories that Dr. Nicelli dropped on us last night? Exegesis, biblical, historical, systematic, and practical. Yes. And so, actually, in his book on this topic. My lecture is his chapter 12, practical. This, I'm stealing all of this from him. Don't tell him. I'm, I'm teasing. But he, this, this is what he's talking about in that particular section. Now, again, exegesis, though, what the text says has to rear its control over what I do. Application has to follow that I understand the text correctly. Or I might apply Herod's wonderful statement to people I should not apply it to. Yeah, I just want to do what God says. Wait, we have to stop and make sure we're hearing. In Philippians, the situation is not I can surf 24 waves in less than five minutes. Now, Kenny has gotten close. But I don't invoke this verse for that end. I invoke it at least for what it connects to. So, remember I said a second ago, it's easier to 
to, to say what's wrong with an application than to state what's, how to do it correctly. So my first bullet point here, or the one that's not highlighted, I would just say it this way. The tighter the connection you make to the context, the greater the validity in personal application. The tighter you make it to the way this text works in context, the more likely what you're doing with that text applicationally is valid. It's just better. In other words, we're on a spectrum. Here, I just do whatever I want, whether the Word of God says it. Here, only if I'm in Corinth, because it was written to the Corinthians, I'm saying, no, no, we want to side with this, this side of the spectrum. And if my life mimics, is close, follows on these kind of things that we see being addressed, let's just ask the question, are you abounding? Or are you in need? Oh, why would I say that? Because that's the context of I can do all things. Guess which one God can be sufficient for? When you abound or when you are in need? So now I've got two points of context. I can do all things with reference to when I abound, with reference to when I am in need. Now the application begins to follow from exegesis. Does that make sense? Any question here? So I need to know what the text says in its context to help me begin to phrase, how do I use this then? Any questions here? Yes, sir. Yeah, so let me, let me, so let me, yeah, what, what God, yeah, what God did as a result of your decision, see, that, I think that that's, that's what we know God can do. That is to say, God is able to supervene over any decision making. The, the question is whether I should use the Bible to justify the way that I do that, because you know what it is. If you have a Bible verse and you make a, let's just say, a bad decision, then you get to tell everyone, yeah, but the Bible said, and I, right, but I'm not looking for you to just justify anything that happened. Now, which one can God override? He can override you making a bad decision, and he can actually override you from making a good decision. Because there are other kinds of decisions. There are better decisions. Uh, you forget about that. And, and so, yeah, yeah. Right. And that's the same thing. Uh, I don't know if you, you guys were able to hear my testimony, but uh, the people who led me to the Lord did not disciple me. And so for three years, I, you know, just kind of whatever. And then the next person I met 3,000 miles away was Daniel Davies. Okay, well, now you know what makes me why I'm like I am. But it just was, <laughs> but I, you know, I always, tell the, I always tell my seminary students, you, do not, do not forsake the people that you're, you're bringing to Christ. This isn't a good model. Should everyone have my model? Well, I'm not going to say it was the worst model. I'm just saying in, in normally, no, I don't want you to have that. As long as you meet Pastor Daniel as the next person, uh, fine. So Matthew, 
Is Herod really looking to worship? No, he's not. In Philippians, is everything just wide open? I don't think it is in context. Here's a couple. Just give you a little break. Um, just think about some of these. I just want to do what the Bible says. Okay, Romans 16. <laughs> Greet one another with a holy kiss. So I got to spend my time in Romania, and they actually do that. Okay, but I can only obey that if I go to Europe. Is that what you guys are saying? Uh, what about the right hand of fellowship that was extended? Uh, does that include fist bumps? Uh, does that high fives? Uh, what, what is that? How about 1 Corinthians 14? Okay, any women want a voice of opinion on that one? Uh, I just want to do what it says. Right, but even in that particular one, I think in 1 Corinthians 14, it's very narrow in its application. It's not wide open. It is not wide open. Okay? Um, sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. Okay, well, that one, we, yeah, that one's easy. It tells me to do that. I should do that. How about abstaining from eating blood? Acts 15. You guys, do you guys eat? Any Scandinavians here? I'm not talking about the English. The English have blood pudding, and the Scandinavians have a black blood pudding, but they're not the same thing. I mean, one of them, uh, I'll let you look it up on your own. Uh, but, I, I, you know, here's Acts 15. Anoint the sick with oil. Do we do that one? Do we not do that one? What do we do and give them morphine? Is that the same thing? Uh, are you obeying that? How about this one? If you're unmarried, Paul says, do not look for a wife. I can see all these couples in here. Did you not know Paul told you? So why didn't you obey it? That's, that's what I mean when I say we, we want to read the text literally. It's a good, that's where we want to start. But be careful. Be very careful. Some of these literally, we don't literally do. Uh, and slaves obey your masters. Let me give you, let me give you some principles, and, and that is this. Uh, I put a picture of a library up here, because when we look at the Word of God, we see what is helpful for you to remember is a library of books. Uh, there are different kinds of things in the books. Okay? I want to cook dinner tonight. All right? I go to Barnes & Noble, and I go into the fiction section. That's not the right section. Okay? I go into the uh, nonfiction section. That's not the right section. Okay? I go into what, what arena do I go to? All right? When God communicated to us, he gave us his communication came through multiple types of literature, multiple forms. And we need, we're going to draw application, we need to pay attention to the type of material or what part of the library we're looking at because they don't all work the same way. I want to apply the text. Yeah, but I'm reading a law that was given to the people in the tent. I don't live in the tent. How does that work? I, I just want to do what the Bible says. 
I applaud that, but I want you to know some sections of the Bible do something different. So I'm, I'm just going to give you five. I'm just going to give you five. I picked five because I think they're a very popular five. But there are more than these five, just to kind of help your mind think. There, I, I chose narratives because the biggest portion of the Bible is narrative. We're learning and hearing and reading a story. I picked the Old Testament law because, quite honestly, we don't know what to do with a lot of the things that are in the Old Testament law. The New Testament letters. Again, I work with the New Testament letters a little bit different than the others. Psalms and Proverbs. Why? Well, because there's 31 Proverbs, so you know today is the, and that's what Proverbs, we read the Proverbs all the time. But how do we approach the Proverbs and then the Psalms? We've had a lot of the Psalms invoked. So I just, again, with each of these, there's like a list of considerations. So I boiled them down to just like one, maybe two thoughts. For instance, when I'm looking at Old Testament narrative, I'm looking at David and Goliath, or I'm looking at Amnon, Amnon, David's son, and I read about Amnon in, in 1 Samuel 12, I think it is, or I can't remember where it is. Um, it says, um, I, I need you to remember this. When you read narratives, sometimes we don't know what God's perspective is. Narratives just record the event. They don't evaluate. They don't always evaluate. Sometimes the narrator will say, and this was evil in the sight of God. But what about the passage where it doesn't say, this is evil in the sight of God? What do I do with that one? So often, narrate, the, the narrative will tell us something that happened, and then it leaves judgment up to you. What are you supposed to do? Well, the narrator believes you know enough about the Word of God that you, that is a bad thing that happened. He didn't tell you it was a bad thing. You're supposed to realize it's a bad thing. So Amnon has a friend named Jonadab. And then the text says this, and Jonadab was a very, King James says, subtle man. Very crafty man. We've actually heard the word crafty today. Let's see what anyone. Okay, so Amnon, remember, he loves his sister so much, Jonadab tells him to do something that's just evil. But the text never says it was evil. The text never says. So do I do it or do I not do it? I'm trying to work application. I'm thinking in terms of what's happening here in narrative. So you need to remember narrative records the event. Often it gives us characters, characters who are good and godly. We need to mimic those guys. Sometimes it gives us characters that are really suspicious. They're evil. Asa did evil in the side, that kind of thing. So we know not to follow that. So don't be, don't, don't be shy to say, I'm trying to follow the morality of these men as they walk with God or as they walk away from God. The psalmist in Psalm 119 was he a good guy or a bad guy, as, as Dr. Horn just shared with us? That's a good guy. We're hearing how the Word of God transforms and sets his life. Old Testament law. Uh, with the Old Testament law, I need you to remember these two simple principles. That's Israel's law. 
That's Israel's law. I'm not saying it's not profitable. We just read 2 Timothy. All scripture is profitable. But I need, to, I need you to know that it comes back to me indirectly. If for no other reason, because Paul tells us we are not under the Mosaic law. Well, I just want to do what it says. Right, but how whatever it says needs to be understood, just like we've been saying this weekend, with respect to what Christ has done to that law. And Christ ended it. He fulfilled it. He brought it to its climax. So I don't just read Old Testament law and say, well, they did this. They did this when they cleaned their house before unleavened bread. I'm going to, by the way, spring cleaning comes about. You guys know this phrase, spring cleaning? This actually has its origins in this Jewish activity of purging your house of all the leaven. Do you know when they observe this? In the springtime. What a coincidence. All right, that's not direct. It's still indirect. The law comes to me. Uh, with the Psalms, the Psalms are high-packed emotions. Okay, and I, I say that to you because I just like to challenge you. You see in the Psalms, like Psalm 88, just this man pour out his soul before God. God, you did this to me. You did this to me. Stop. Your anger is rolling over me like waves after wave. I, I just want you to know, like Job, there are some portions of the Bible that show us people just like trying to explain what is happening to me, and it takes them to great depths. I want you to know, it's okay for you to go to great depths. It's okay because God knows you're in great depths. It's okay because God wants to ex you to express yourself. Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. I have to smile because I'm at church. Okay. God sees the reality. I hate where I'm at right now. And the psalmist do that. The psalmist on the other side, they abound in praise. Like, how many different ways can you praise the Lord? Look at Psalm 150. I didn't know there were that many instruments in the orchestra. Everything. The, everything that has breath, praise the Lord. I'm just like, whew, that's a lot of things. So Proverbs, remember Proverbs work. I just, I just say it like I have it here. They're not legal guarantees. They work in principle. All things being equal, this is how a life that observes God as its source moves, should move. But you know it can't be absolute because of something like what happens in Psalm uh, Proverbs uh, 19, where you have these back-to-back -back verses. They're my favorite verses. Answer a fool according to his folly. The next one, don't answer a fool according to his folly. So which one do you obey? In that situation, I actually, go, I, I don't care which one. I'm not where you're at. I just know if you follow one of them, you're living the way the Proverbs tell you to live. Now, sometimes you answer a fool according to his folly, and then you think, I don't think I should have. On that one, I should have just not answered the fool. But how do you have these two contradictory, because... We're doing different things. Sometimes I answer a fool to get him quiet. Sometimes I don't answer a fool to allow him to just live in this fake world of folly that he loves. Okay? So think of the scriptures in, these kind of, in, in this kind of manner. 
All right. Let me just tie it by one last point of connection for you. If we follow God's cues, and by this one, uh, I also want you to remember. Let's, let's see where we were at the beginning. If the Bible is a communicative act, and if a communicative act is personal interaction, God personally talking to me and I hear it, then I need to draw conclusions about what I see in the Word and more importantly, about the one who speaks to me. Okay. Now this is something you can do wherever you are in the Bible. The fact that God speaks is, it, is itself telling you something about God. And so wherever you are in the Bible, you are able to say, what do I learn about God and his majesty and his glory? Here's this passage that happens. But God is the actor. God is the architect. You remember the book, this is probably the best way to illustrate it. You remember the book of Esther. Esther is notorious for one particular word that's omitted from the entire book. The word God. So there's a sense in which I can go, Esther has nothing to say about God. You all know that that's baloney. Esther has a lot to say about Yeah, but it doesn't use the word. Right, because you are able to, well, you, if, you, if you believe that God is communicating, then you learn something about God, even in texts that don't talk about him directly, because this is a personal communication. Okay, I, let me go through those particular, those particular portions of the library. I learned something about God himself. When he shares narrative, or he encourages and admonishes his church like he does in the New Testament letters. He works hard at getting the churches to act righteously. Why? What kind of God is that? When you answer that question, you're saying, I'm learning something about God. Okay, why is that important? Because that's the person you're in dialogue with. Okay? If I keep hearing my wife and ignoring what she says, how's that relationship going? If I hear what God is saying, but I don't learn about God, how's that relationship going? So he is allowed to command regulations like the law or offer me wisdom about how to live my life. He can show depths of emotion, people expressing themselves in song. That's what we're seeing over and over in the scriptures. And I hope this is helpful for you to kind of see. I want, to, I want the text to be a means to an end. And the end is that I live, that I prove what is the good and acceptable will of God. That I am a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. And that's the point of bringing application. Okay? All right. My time is, my time is up. And Pastor Brent's going to come because he is the church representative for this class.